Welcome back to Culture Bucket. Uh, this is episode 36. We'll be doing our top five noughties bands today. An exciting musical episode of Culture Bucket for you. Um, as always, I am your host, George, ready to take you through the world of uh, pop culture this week. And with me is my co-host, Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. Hi, How are all. you, George? I'm good. Uh, I'm I am tired and uh, burned out, but we can get through this. It'll be fine. How are you? It'll be fine. Um, yeah, I feel the same. Uh, in I've just done my last day of school and uh, yeah, finished for the year. Wow, well done. Woo-hoo. I am yeah. about to go back to school yeah, for six more weeks, so very different. Yeah, are you excited about the last term of school? Uh, no, because I hurt my foot, so it's going to be difficult. I forgot to ask you about that. Actually, yeah, I hurt your my foot? foot. It really hurts. <laughs> How did you hurt your foot? Uh, wearing shoes that were too tight. I think. I think. Okay. Um, but I suddenly got this incredible and horrific pain on the top of my right foot. That stopped me from sleeping for a couple of nights. Uh, and now it just kind of hurts generally and it's difficult to walk around. So going back to work is going to be really good. Can't wait for that. But never uh, so mind. So you can't, you can't really walk? Can you not walk? I can walk, but it just is painful and I shouldn't walk too much. So I'm going to have to like do most of my work sitting down, which I don't normally do. But yeah. uh, such is Well, such good is luck life. with that. Um, but I'm looking forward to today's top five. It's going to be a good one. I've got some interesting bands, I think, to talk about. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be good. Same. Same. Good. Yeah. Um, but first, let's do what we always do and talk about our past week in culture in our culture catch up section. Yeah. Yeah. This is culture good. catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. So, uh, I've got some music to talk about. Uh, a book. I read a book. That's unusual for me at the moment. Yeah. You read a book. <laughs> and thanks for that. And um, and some films. As it was. Well. I was shocked and surprised. <laughs> Good. What book was it? <laughs> uh, well, you'll find out in a couple of minutes. But first, I've been listening to the new album, the second studio album from uh, London-based post-punk revival, I think, uh, band Black Midi released their second album, Cavalcade, a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh. I showed you the video for one of their singles a couple of weeks ago, and you didn't like it. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was terrible. Well, it wasn't terrible. It was freaky and it was a so bit it was a bit intense. It was an intense it was an intense kind of uh 
roller coaster. It was a bit too much for me. Yeah, which is fair. Um, they are a band from from London. They met at the Brit School, the famed Brit School, where people like uh, Adele Ooh. have graduated from in the past. Um, but they're much more interested in doing quite strange uh, music uh, rather than anything too mainstream, it seems. Um, the first album, Schlagenheim, was uh, pretty good, pretty mad, pretty uh, constantly intense album with a lot of uh, just crazy vocals and mad guitar work and all sorts of like insane things that I enjoy. The second album, Cavalcade, is interesting because they have um, they were a four-piece and at the moment they're reduced to a three-piece because their guitarist is um, on a sort of mental health sabbatical, I think, for a little while. Um, okay. So they've recorded this album as a three-piece, so it's pretty much the singer, the bassist, and uh, the drummer. I think the singer plays a bit of guitar as well. Um, but they've brought in, like, I think a saxophonist and a bunch of other, and like strings, and they've brought in a lot of other kind of orchestral sounds to this album, I think, maybe to make up for... Uh, not having their lead guitarist with them. And it's resulted in mm. a much more varied album than the first album. You've got really, really... Like, that song I played you is kind of classic black midi. It's really aggressive and loud and, like, difficult melodies to kind of get to grips with sort of stuff. Then, after that's the opening track, and then it segues immediately into, like, a kind of weird, soft-spoken ballad. And then it will go back to more kind of traditional black midi stuff. There's, like, a post-rock song in the middle of it. It kind of it goes all over the place and explores a load of different sounds, uh, almost in a jazzy kind of way. But the first album didn't, and um, it's kind of brilliant. I really, really like it a lot more than the first album. It's made me a true fan of uh, of theirs, which is uh, which is good. So I'd recommend it. Cavalcade by Black Midi. Um, the other album I've been listening to this week is it only came out a couple of days ago, so it's a bit fresher in my. Uh, a bit earlier in my opinion of it, if you see what I mean. I've not quite had a chance to fully get to grips with it, but Wolf Alice, a band I talked about uh, a few weeks ago uh, of having discovered, released their third studio album, Blue Weekend, on the uh, on the 4th of June, which was a couple of days ago as we were recording. And um, I've listened to it mm -hmm. through quite a few times. It's received rave reviews from uh, everyone. It's had got, like five-star reviews from The Guardian, The Independent, The NME. Um, a bunch of different places have given it five-star reviews and hailed it as like a, a masterpiece. And it is uh, a really incredible album. Um, the singles from it fit really well into the album. They released uh, Smile and The Man, uh, The Last Man on Earth were kind of the two big singles from it. And I kind of like that they aren't at the front of the album. Like The Last Man on Earth is one of the last tracks on the album. And sometimes nowadays you'll get a new album and listen to it and the first five tracks have all been released as singles and it feels a bit like, this isn't exactly a new thing for me to listen to. But Wolf Alice did a really good job of spreading out the singles across the track listing. So you kind of feel, listening to it the first time did feel quite fresh. And um, yeah, it's really good. It's not, to my to my ears yet, it's not eclipsed their last album, Visions of a Life, which I really, really adored. Um, but I, some of the songs I can tell are starting to sink in, including one called... Um, What's it called? They released it as a single just before the album came out. Uh, How Can I Make It Okay? Which almost sounds a bit like Haim. You'd probably like that song, Alex. You should, you should check it out. It's got like Haim style, Fleetwood Mac style sort of melodies in the in the chorus and stuff. Okay. Really good song. Uh, How Can I Make It Okay? So, yeah. Good good album from Blue from Wolf Alice. Good album from, Cab, from Black Midi. Thank you to both of them. Let's move on to my book. I read a book. You read a book. Yeah, thank you. 
Um, you read a book. We should make a <laughs> we should make a song. G read a book. Yeah. 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 What book was it? G read it, a book. <laughs> uh, it was a do you book. Like it? Yes, I do like it a lot. It was a book by American <laughs> author singer songwriter. He- Sorry. No. American horror novelist uh, Grady Hendrix, who um, released uh, he released a book a few years ago that I've wanted to read for years that I still haven't read called Horror Store, which is some kind of like story about a haunted IKEA or IKEA style shop, and it has loads of IKEA style illustrations in it. I really, really want to read it, but it's always out of stock when I look on Amazon and stuff. Um, but I looked him up when I was looking for a book to read on my holiday uh, last week, and that wasn't in stock. But another book was in stock called My Best Friend's Exorcism. And the review on the cover um, said it was like if Tina Fey had written The Exorcist, and that sold me uh, as a concept. So I picked it up and gave it a go and read through it, and it is the story of a... um, It's set in the... 1980s and it is a sort of high school coming of age set story about a girl called Abby and her best friend Gretchen and one night with some of her friends they're hanging out in the woods Gretchen goes missing all night and when they when Abby finally finds her again something isn't quite the same about Gretchen she's changed um and then throughout the rest of the book they sort of uh maybe start to discover that something maybe is possessing Gretchen and uh, something needs to be done about it. So hence the title, My Best Friend's Exorcism. Um, it's all of the chapters are named after iconic 80s songs, like uh, Don't You Forget About Me, for example, is one of the early chapters. And um, it's got a real kind of vein of pop culture references running through it, which I really enjoyed. The cover art in particular, if, if anyone wants to look it up, go on Amazon and look up the paperback cover art for My Best Friend's Exorcism. It is incredible. It looks so cool. Um, to have on like your bookshelf with stuff, which is nice. And um, it's really quite funny. It's very wittily written. It, it's a very easy read and kind of like what you want from a horror novel. You want it to be like in a Stephen King sense, quite easy to get through and quite fun to read. And it is, and it's a really fun time. My only criticism of it is probably when the kind of final act starts and they finally get around to the exorcism of the title. It's sort of a bit of an anticlimax and it's all over sort of quicker than you'd like. Um, And maybe that could have had a bit more focus in the book itself, but the lead up to it is a lot of fun. Some of the kind of crazy and evil things that that happen and the girl gets up to uh, on the path to uh, being cured is, um, is quite good, quite interesting stuff. It's a classic exorcism tale uh, and feels like inevitably there's going to be a film of it. So get, get involved. Would you would you recommend? Would it be scary? Could I read it? Um, could it be scary? It's kind of in part. It's maybe a bit creepy. It didn't terrify me. It maybe played on my mind a little bit when I went to bed at night for a couple of nights, but um, it was worth it. It was it was worth it. It's not the scariest thing I've ever read. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't recommend it because of its scariness. I'd recommend it because of its um. It's kind of quite campy, fun, coming of age, high school stuff, all wrapped up with like a kind of demonic possession angle. Uh, it's a good blend of different styles and genres, I, th- I think. So, yeah, if you're looking for like a light, entertaining read, you should uh, you should check it out. Yeah, my best friend's exorcism. Um, that's my book. Those are my uh, 
movie. Those are my albums. So let's move on and talk about some films that I watched. Um, as I mentioned last week, I've got my Cineworld card now, so I can go to the cinema as often as I want to watch whatever films I want for free, which means I've been watching yeah. um, quite a few films in the cinema, including Tom and Jerry the Movie. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, basically, we were going to go and see The Conjuring Free, the new Conjuring film, uh, and uh, we wanted something to do, it was starting quite late, about eight o'clock, and we wanted something to do before it, so we went to see Tom and Jerry the movie. Um, so me and two colleagues from work, three adult men, went to watch Tom and Jerry the movie in the cinema at about five o'clock in the afternoon. Um which was uh, so instead of going to see experience. The Conjuring, you went to see Tom and Jerry, like total opposite kind of thing. No, well, it was a double bill. We saw Tom and Jerry, and then we saw The Conjuring. Um, so uh, Tom and Jerry the movie. Interestingly, they made a Tom and Jerry film in the early nineties, which I think was the first uh, film I ever saw in the cinema as like a four year old or something. So that's exciting. I've got a long heritage of um, watching Tom and Jerry movies in the cinema. Um, the new one is a mix of live action and animation. Uh, the live action is uh, performed mainly by Chloe Grace Moretz from Kick-Ass and uh, Let Me In and loads of other uh, Greta and mm. quite a lot of good... She's a great actress and it was really surprising in a way to see her pop up in Tom and Jerry the movie. Um, she's joined by Michael Pena, again, a pretty big guy. He's in the Ant-Man films, he's in um, a few other things. At End of Watch he's really good in. Uh, Rob Delaney, a very funny comedian. Uh, Colin Jost, uh, Scarlett Johansson's husband, a regular on Saturday Night Live. Um, a lot of quite big names in this film, surprisingly, because I didn't, it didn't, it, I didn't expect it to be like that, but it was. And then Tom and Jerry are inserted as sort of like three D CGI creations, but done to almost look as if they're two D. It's quite an interesting style they came up with for the film. Um, I. Uh, sarcastically laughed at a joke about 90 seconds in and my friend that I was with was like, this is going to be a long experience. And then about two minutes later, I laughed genuinely at something and then I pretty much laughed at it all the way through and ended up kind of enjoying it. So um, it's a bit of a light recommendation for me, Tom and Jerry the movie, unexpectedly. It's got a lot of the classic Tom and Jerry gags in it, recontextualized for like you know, the new animation style and stuff, but there's there's some there's a few sections where they really do kind of call on classic Tom and Jerry shorts um and take some of those sort of set pieces from those cartoons and put them in this film. Uh and it just feels kind of funny. It's just funny and interesting. The cast are all kind of pretty up for what it is and kind of understand how silly it all is and have a good time with it. And yeah, it was just a fun time. So that was good. Then we left that and we went straight into a screening of The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It, the third Conjuring movie. <laughs> Very different experience. Um, this one is about uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, two paranormal researchers who are investigating a case of demonic possession. Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren are two real people who were genuine paranormal researchers, and all of the Conjuring movies are supposedly based on real cases that they uh, encountered in reality. Of course, the difference being that in the films, they are portrayed as sort of superhero ghost fighters whereas in reality they were a pair of chances who preyed on um people in my opinion but ignoring that and just focusing on them as film characters they're they're, they're well portrayed by patrick wilson and vera farmiga 
Um, I really like the first two Conjuring films, so I was really excited for this one. I was also excited because it seemed like a different type of Conjuring movie. The first two movies are very much about kind of haunted house tales or families that are being uh, kind of terrorised in their own house. This film is looking at a case where a man um, murdered somebody and then claimed he did it while under the influence of the devil, hence the title, The Devil Made Me Do It. And um, Ed and Lorraine Warren in real life got involved in that case to try and prove the existence in court of the devil, essentially. And the trailer for this movie almost sets it up as like a, a courtroom drama with like a supernatural slant to it. In, in actuality, almost none of the film takes place in the courtroom. It's more interested in their investigation outside of the courtroom. But it all, it does, it still, it ends up playing like a road trip film where they're going around and investigating these different events to see if they can provide any evidence for this case in, in court. Um, and it's pretty entertaining in that respect. It's not as scary as the first two Conjuring movies, I think, because it's not as relatable a location like as a... Well, the first one is a house in America. The second one is a council house in, in London. Those are quite, you know, everyone lives in a house or can, can imagine generally what it's like to live in a house or live in a place. And when that's haunted and invaded by um, kind of supernatural forces, that is something that's quite scary to think about. Whereas in this film... They're sort of, they're, one minute they're in the woods, the next minute they're in a morgue. It's all these kind of quite varied locations. And I think because of that, it isn't able to kind of get a sense of atmosphere as much. So it's not scary, but Patrick Wilson, as Ed Warren, continues to be an incredible performance. Vera Farmiga as Lorraine Warren, again, she is so, so good in these films. And the kind of the love story and relationship between the two of them, as odd as it is to say this about a horror film, that's kind of the thing that keeps me coming back is how good they are together in them uh, and they continue to be really good together in this film and i really really enjoyed it um it's a slightly different take on on a sort of supernatural possession film and yeah it was good man i liked it so uh a kind of a thumbs up for the country and the devil made me do it as well i imagine you're not jumping out of your seat to go and watch it though alex nope <laughs> oh, fair enough well like you know maybe maybe uh no <laughs> Well, after that, I did go to see um, a film that maybe you'd want to see, and maybe you, I don't know, maybe you, you'll watch it, I'm not sure, but it is the new Disney live-action film, Cruella, the Emma Stone Cruella de Vil film. Oh, you actually went to the cinema to see that? I did, yes, I saw it in the cinema. Ooh, yeah, because it's on uh, Disney Plus. It is, but you've got to pay money to see it on Disney Plus. Well, you have to pay money to go to the cinema. Not if you're this guy. Ah, true, true, true. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you know the problem that I have here in Italy. All the films are in in, in Italian. No, I know. Sorry. How I'm gonna miss out on uh, Emma Stone speaking. In an English accent. British accent. Yeah. Has she become Emily Stone now? No. Has she? I don't think so. There's an actress that has changed her name and I don't know who she is. I don't... Anne Hathaway. Has Anne, Anne Hathaway changed her name? Yeah. Something like that. Oh, I'll right. have to find out. Like, a few months ago, there was this, uh, this actress, actor, that uh, changed, like... Changed her stage name oh. because she didn't like it anymore. 
but I, I wasn't sure if it was Emma Stone or Anne Hathaway. I don't think it's Emma Stone. It rings a bell. I remember reading something recently about Anne Hathaway and her name, but I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. Annie, I think she wants to be called. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I'm I remember confused. reading something that she prefers being called Annie, but I didn't know she was, ch- I didn't realise she was changing it as a stage name necessarily. Okay. Well, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I am strangely along like similar to Tom and Jerry, I've got a long history of, of being a bit of a fan of one hundred and one Dalmatians. Um mm. did you ever see the one in the nineties with Glenn Close? Yeah. Yeah. I loved that film growing up. I don't quite know why. I loved it. Yeah, but I was obsessed oh, with it. Oh, it's good. It was good, it's but good. it was it was pretty goofy. Like it's kind of a like I didn't yeah. realise this until this week when I was looking it up. It was written, I think in part at least, by John Hughes, who wrote Home Alone. And it is sort of, weirdly, a big... It's got more in common with Home Alone than it does the original 101 Dalmatians mm. in some ways. Like You've got her falling into big vats of um, like treacle or slime or something, and, and her yeah. henchmen are, are played by Hugh Laurie and Mark Williams, and they're kind of getting electrocuted on fences in that film and stuff. And it's it's like a weird Home Alone riff. It's bizarre. But it's a really good yeah. film. I, really, I remember really, really liking it. But then, like... In the original 60s animation, the main guy, the dad, the, the owner of the male Dalmatian, is a jingle writer. He writes jingles for adverts. Do you remember what his job is yeah. in, the, in the Glenn Close film? Something to do with animals? Nope. Advertisement? Nope. Why am I thinking about food, dog food? But nope. I don't know, maybe... I can't remember. He's a no. video game designer. Is he? The whole, like, one of the whole conceits of the movie is he's designing this video game where you play as the Dalmatian. With the... Yes! And you see the game on the, being played and he's trying to come up with, like, a scary villain for it and he's designing this dog yeah. catcher that isn't scary. And then at the end of the movie, he's decided that Cruella de Vil is the villain yeah. of the game. It's so strange. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a great movie. It's a very 90s film. This is the most recent live-action adaptation, though, Cruella. Uh, sets itself in the 60s and 70s in um, in London. Uh, Emma Stone is playing Cruella de Vil. Once again, they've hired an American actress to play a British character, but that's absolutely fine. I don't have an issue with it at all. Because um, Glenn Close can do whatever she wants, in my opinion, and Emma Stone equally can do whatever she wants, so it's absolutely fine. Um, she plays Estella, the daughter of a woman who uh, is struggling to raise... Her daughter, Razor Stella, who's got a quite a mean streak in her at the start of the film. It opens with her as a child. She naturally has uh, bl- black and white hair that's parted perfectly down the middle for some reason. And um, she gets kicked out of school uh, because she's uh, a bit of a bit of a live wire. And her mum decides to take her to London to try and start again. On the way to London, they stop by an old friend's house where her mum's going to ask for some help. And there is an unspeakable tragedy and Cruella ends up making the journey to London on her own and uh, lives in London as a sort of uh, con artist criminal grows up and becomes Emma Stone uh, and decides she wants to enter the world of fashion. But uh, the world of fashion Mm. is ruled with an iron fist by the Baroness, played perfectly by Emma Thompson. And the rest of the movie is basically a showdown between uh, Estella, who at one point obviously rebrands herself as Cruella, and uh, the Baroness, 
there's lots of twists and turns in the story. It's a pretty they've kind they've sort of pretty much written a pretty decent story for this film actually. It kind of I went along with it and really enjoyed it. It very much sort of tries to be like obviously this person wouldn't want to kill a hundred dogs. Nobody would want to. It kind of like pretends that that's not a real thing if you see what I mean like it doesn't try to explain away how she would become somebody who would kill a hundred dogs it just goes she's a misunderstood Mm -hmm. genius she would obviously never kill a load of dogs there's a bit where she jokes about wanting to make a coat out of dogs and somebody goes are you serious and she goes no obviously I'd never do that like it doesn't really want to admit that that's that's like you've got you've kind if one if you can go with that and just see it as its own thing um it's you know you'll get more out of it I think but Mm. it's most notable thing for me was the soundtrack. It's got, I think, 30 licensed songs on the soundtrack. And similar to Quentin Tarantino movies, I love, I, I, I'm a real sucker for a licensed song being used in a film. Like, Quentin Tarantino does it really well, but I kind of like it yeah. when any film does it. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy does it, I like it there. Like, mm, licensed music yeah. being used for the soundtrack to films is a thing that I am always going to enjoy, even when it's done badly. Cruella doesn't do it badly, though, but it does it. It might not do it the best, but it does it the most. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a film where basically every single scene in the film is soundtracked to a different recognisable song. And it kind of produces this amazing, like, constant release of of pleasure, endorphins, whatever it is, where every scene you're like, I know this, this is a great song. And then it's, yeah, it's and it kind of works. It's brilliant. So... The Cruella film is maybe not a great origin story for the Disney villain because it doesn't make sense. But as a film on its own about a crazy fashion designer played perfectly by Emma Stone fighting Emma Thompson, while soundtracks to songs as varied as uh, Black Sabbath, Ken Dodd and the Rolling Stones. I'm completely there for it. I I really, really, really liked it. And uh, it would be uh, a big recommend from me. So, yeah, Cruella, go for it. Check it out. Please check it out. Um, so I'll just talk good. about I'll sounds good. Talk about one more film, I think, and then we'll move on. Uh, I watched A Quiet Place Part Two. Ah, I want to see that so badly. Yeah, you you really liked the first Quiet Place, didn't you? I bloody loved it. Yeah. So and you know, I saw uh, the other day. I saw what's her name? What is her name? Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And I was just like, I just, just stop teasing me. I want to see it. I can't watch it. Just don't talk about it. Don't talk about it, George. I, I refuse. Okay. I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay. So I'm not going to talk about it too much, but it is, to my money, uh, completely on par with the first film. It's the same level of quality as the first film. Emily Blunt is great in it. Yeah. Um, I want to get her name right because I think she's the best thing in the film. The daughter, Millicent Simmons, who plays Regan, the daughter who is uh, deaf in the film and deaf in real life, actually, uh, is the best thing in the movie. She was the best thing in part one. She's the best thing in part two. She's incredible. Um, it The story picks up straight right where the last one left off. It's absolutely brilliant. It introduces a new character played by Killian Murphy, who is perfect and wonderful there's a lot of odd parallels to the last of us part two which i'm just on board for because i love that game um and i don't know if it's just like synchronicity or what but the two things kind of weirdly have a lot in common 
and it's great. I absolutely loved it. I gave the first film five stars, and I had to give this one five stars as well because, to my mind, it, it just it equaled the first, which is an incredible achievement for a horror film sequel that never happens. So, uh, and some people probably wouldn't agree it happened this time, but I loved it and thought it was incredible and brilliant. So there we go. Um, uh, very last film. Well, to according to oh, sorry, go on. Well, according to well, in that interview I watched, according to Emily Blunt and Jimmy Kimmel, it was actually slightly better than the first one. Okay, that's fair. I mean, Emily, yeah, Emily Blunt's like, which is it's just weird that somebody could say that about a sequel. Usually, like people just talk about the sequel and that's it. But you know, if something can be good or better than the first one, I think you can only go up. No, you shouldn't yeah, go yeah, yeah. back. No, definitely. so if you have a sequel that is as good or better, that's amazing. It's an amazing achievement, especially for the kind of genre, because you know. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's not quite as tight. There's some not pacing issues, but there's some story beats that don't fully make sense uh, if you think about them too hard. But it's balanced out by the characters continuing to be incredibly well written, and you really, really care about what happens to them, and you enjoy the journey with them. And I think that it it works. It really works in a similar way to. Uh, in Jurassic Park, there's a sequence where um, a T-Rex breaks through a fence and then moments later that same fence is shown to be uh, over the edge of a cliff. And how could the T-Rex have broken through it if it was stood on where clearly we can see there's no land to stand on, if you see what I mean. But that plot hole is, isn't is noticed by that many people because the, the film is so well done, the, it's so well paced, the characters are so engaging that you don't even notice the little plot holes like that. Because Jurassic Park is held up as one of the greatest kind of blockbuster films of all time. Um, people never talk about the fact that it's the, the geography of that T-Rex scene literally is impossible because it doesn't matter because it's because of the craftsmanship on display in terms of making that scene work. So for me, A Quiet Place Part 2 hits similar beats where there's some parts where you're like, I don't quite know if that would happen, but I'm going to go with it because it's just such a good ride. So yeah, there we go. There's a quiet place part two. Um, other than that, I won't talk about it for too long, but I watched a film on Shudder uh, that's available on Shudder in the UK, at least, called Caveat. Uh, it's being described as a mix of Saw and David Lynch in a lot of reviews. It's much, much more than that. It's an incredible film. It's another five-star film. It genuinely scared and unsettled me in a way that no horror films ever do nowadays. And um, anyone looking for a, a genuinely creepy atmospheric horror movie sh- needs to check out Caveat on Shudder um, and let me know what you think of it if you do watch it. Right, The Friends Reunion. I watched it. Did you? Did you watch it? I did watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I w- yeah of course I did. That was the first thing it came out. I was like, I'm watching it. Oh, really? Straight away. <laughs> I had stuff to do. I didn't care. I had. I just watched it because I thought, oh, I'll just I'll just watch it at the right time. I'll get a Saturday afternoon. No, I just had to watch it. Oh, no. I definitely waited for like a Saturday afternoon and watched it um, quite leisurely. No, I couldn't. What did you think? Um, I think that, well, first of all, it was. It wasn't really a reunion. It was kind of like a. It 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 felt weird because they said it was a reunion, but it that's not a reunion. That's just kind of like a. I mean, it's big interview. Yeah, but it, I mean that's that. It was. I mean, they reunited the cast. I think that's the. I mean, it, yeah. What would have made it a reunion? Yeah. Was it called the reunion? I think so. It was like Friends the reunion or something. Oh, okay, because I thought I thought I wasn't at one point it was going to be like a Friends episode. 
Um, I think there was rumours that was what it was going to be, but it was never announced as being that. It was always announced as... Yeah, yeah. So, I yeah. I think they've said that they felt like the, the final episode of the show was too... kind of gave the characters send-offs that were too perfect to, um, you know... Yeah, definitely. ...ever risk yeah. kind of tarnishing it with well, a new episode. It's really weird. Like, I don't, I don't know how I felt. I had... I had it made me a little bit sad in a way. Like, uh, why? <sighs> like, Matthew Perry looked like lost in a world of its own. Yeah, he didn't talk very much in it, did he? No. And it felt like, I don't know, it just made me like, I enjoyed it, but there were some bits that just felt really like, awkward and sad and a little bit like oh that that was kind of like the best time that we've ever had and it i don't know i'll tell you one person who never felt awkward or sad in it and who i thought was brilliant and who i've seen far too many kind of snarky comments about since matt leblanc matt leblanc was the best he's incredible he was joke after joke, he was funny, he was reminiscing, he was being silly. I loved him in every moment of the show. Yeah, and also, I think, because I've seen too many people joking about his weight in it and stuff, I think he has genuinely, I, I think this is true, aged the best of all of them. Yeah. He's yeah, a bit, absolutely. he's put a bit of weight on. He's in his 50s. If he wants to have like a beer belly in his 50s and grey hair, do that. Yeah. What's wrong with also, it? Also, like, at the moment, he's in a sitcom where he plays a dad. Yeah. And I think that's part of the what he does. Yeah. And at the end of the day, he looks better than Matthew Perry. Yeah, because he looks happy. Unfortunately. Yeah. Because he's smiling yeah. when he's on, like, because he, yeah. he seems like he's just at peace with his place in the world. Good for him. Yeah. 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 It, and that's the thing. They didn't seem like they were at peace with anything. I don't know. It just... Like him and Lisa, uh, Matt LeBlanc and Lisa Kudrow were really fun in it. Yes, Lisa Kudrow them. as well. And they, they, they've always been my favourite characters anyway, anyway on Friends because I love their duo. They've always been the, like the silly ones. Yeah. And um, like I remember Phoebe used to like, she was a silly character, kind of silly character, but um, she talked about people being in past lives, but then she would go to Joey and say, no, you're new. You're, you're brand new, so don't worry about it. <laughs> and I just love that. And I think as people, they're still amazing and they're still really happy and fulfilled. But the rest of the cast kind of was a bit, yeah, like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I cried because I loved Friends and Friends was a massive part of my life. And in a way it made me sad because it just fe feels like maybe they never moved on from there. A, a lot of the cast. Yeah, yeah, which is... I mean, but apparently, I don't know how true this is, I haven't vetted it, but somebody was telling me that they each earn about $20 million a year just from the fact it exists, from, like, rerun money. Yeah, yeah. So do they, they don't need to move on from it, in a way. No, no, no. I wouldn't work ever again. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I guess, in a way, being in such a massive show like that probably kind of makes you a little bit warped and away from the world yeah, yeah, in a way yeah. and maybe that's why um you know Matthew Perry I feel sorry saying that he looks not great because he's, he had a like a drug addiction and yeah he's a man who's he, had a hard what, life 
He has, yeah, exactly. So it's sad. I don't want to be like, oh, he looked bad. But it it was sad to see him like that because, you know, he was a great character and a great person. And in a way, they couldn't... There's, there's a season in Friends where it finishes. And then um, uh, where Chandler gets asks Monica to marry him. And the next season, and he's a normal weight, and the next season he comes back and he's really really gaunt and he looks pretty sick and I think that's when his addiction or yeah, his yeah. relapse started and and like seeing I know it was such a great show but I was I wonder <coughs> if seeing somebody suffering like that would you not take a big break from doing and help the the person out mm. I don't know because like you could see that he was suffering. I don't know why they would carry on a show when you, you there's somebody that's clearly well. It's difficult because it, a lot of you know there's more than just the six of them involved in it. It's the livelihoods of you know about a hundred people probably on the cast and crew. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's responsible. I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah, but um, I I enjoyed, there were some bits that were fun, and it was interesting the the thing about um. Uh, David Trimmer and Jennifer Aniston actually fancying each other. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought that was sweet. It was interesting. I thought that was sweet. I liked that more it than I didn't need to see people all over the world being like, oh, I watched Friends when I was upset. And it like all of that stuff was a waste of my time, in my opinion. <laughs> I didn't know, I don't so need to know that Malala is a fan of Friends. That's of no value to me. You're so oh my god! Come on! It wasn't a per, it wasn't a You're perfect so thing. Bits, no, I'm not bitter. Oh, there was wow. bits in it that I didn't like. That's all. Uh, do you not have a show that helped you in your times of need? Yeah, and that's for me to that's exactly my own, uh, for me to know about. Yeah, but maybe oh yeah, I don't know. I I thought that was pretty sweet. I liked seeing the behind the scenes footage. Um, Some of the behind the scenes footage on there was good. The bloopers. The bloopers were hilarious. The bit where he kept falling over when he was walking through. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I didn't like the fashion show bit. I thought that was stupid. The whole James, all of James Corden was the worst. That was the worst part of it, actually, was James Corden being involved in it. You're just a hater, though. I'm a hater. He's a terrible, he's an awful person. And like everyone in Britain agrees with me. Why is he an awful person? What has he done? They're so awful. uh, He's just an arrogant, unpleasant, unfunny, bad, terrible man. And I don't like him. How do you know these things? Because I've seen him in like interviews and stuff over the years. He's just, he's just. And I've heard, like, he's just a kind of an arrogant, full of himself. He's even admitted that he used to be like that. Well, he used to be, but now he seems like a nice guy. Oh, yeah, now he drives, like, now, now he seem- pretends to drive celebrities around in cars and sings their songs and gets paid a fortune. But good for him. What? <laughs> I don't like him. I'm allowed to not like James I Gordon. know, but... Uh, yeah, I know, but it does, I don't know. It, does, it, does, it seems pretty vanilla to me. And like, he's, he's and he's the voice Gordon. of Peter Rabbit. How dare he do that? He's got a nice voice. Like I don't know that. Like those TV show hosts, like Jimmy Fallon and James Corden, and it, they're just all vanilla. They're just like entertaining vanilla. Maybe. They're nothing really. 
I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of chat shows, to be honest. But never mind. It's fine. It's fine. Um, mm. Ultimately, the fans reunion was, was okay. Yeah, it was okay. It wasn't as good as expected. No, it wasn't as good as I expected because you know. But I enjoyed it. Um, I felt sad. Um, but um, you know. But I guess they're fine. They're absolutely fine, these six people. Yeah. I might watch a bit of Friends as a result. Um, oh, I didn't talk about it, actually. But yeah. I've, been, I've been watching the morning show on Apple TV that Jennifer Anderson stars in. And she's she's great in that. She's uh, you know, doing mm. well for herself. That's the thing. Jennifer Anderson is a great actress. It's just, I think, maybe, maybe having such a big show like Friends, mm. kind of everybody kind of puts you in in that category and doesn't believe you as an actor yeah yeah definitely that's true so that's uh that's me what have you been up to well yeah i watched the uh, friends reunion i thought it was fun i might watch it again you know it wasn't great but that's i like that is wild. you know if you watch that a second time that is that is incredible i i will watch it again don't worry about it like i've watched the friends bloopers like millions of times it's just something that you know because you know the bit because it's good it's a good show it was a good show um oh i liked tom selleck good for the up. time he's always uh he's always great tom selleck's yes and he's looking yeah, good for a man in his, what, his, his 90s I, I, don't, I don't know he, he he looked better than all of them <laughs> yeah, really but does. like he was the best looking one yeah 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 yeah, especially compared yeah, to like uh, Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould doesn't look bad, but Elliot Gould looks like an elderly man now, whereas Tom Selleck looks like he's in his fifties still. Yeah, Wild. yeah, but I probably probably dyes that moustache, that great moustache. He must do, yeah, he has to surely. <laughs> but it's his brand. That's his. That's who he is. He is the moustache. He is the moustache. But yeah, so that was uh, that was that was fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of films and some. Um, so uh, one of our friends from Japan and also listeners, Jonna, if you're listening, hello, how are you? Um, after listening to our top five Coen Brothers films and listening to me talking about Fargo, uh, she recommended uh, a film to watch, which is called uh, Kumiko, uh, The Treasure Hunter. Um yeah and uh yeah so i watched uh that and um this film is about this uh japanese uh, woman uh living in tokyo and working as an office lady and she becomes convinced uh that her destiny is uh after finding a video cassette of fargo she's convinced that her destiny is to um find the money uh, in um, in Fargo, mm. uh, the you know the briefcase that the um, ice scraper. Steve Buscemi, yeah, with the ice scraper, and it's basically her um, adventure of uh, going to find this um, uh, this briefcase in uh, Fargo. And um, it was totally different from what I expected. I expected uh, a fun, lighthearted adventure story, uh, but it was uh, not. Um, unfortunately, uh, well, it it it's very it's um, it's interesting because it talks about kind of uh, uh, she's she's not very happy in a job and in her and the only thing that uh, gives her a motivation is uh, treasure hunting. And um, her 
bunny rabbit uh, and um her job is awful her boss is awful uh classic kind of office lady and uh, her boss is just being uh, an absolute terrible human and the only thing that doesn't uh that that keeps her alive is this treasure hunting mm. and if you think about how like the pressure in japanese society about getting married and having a career and this and she's not fulfilling any of that and uh she lives in a tiny flat in tokyo mm. and it's a little bit like alone. um convenience store in a way so far yeah, yeah, and it's um, uh, it's uh, she, it's it's quite a journey what you go through with her, and uh, it was it was an, an unexpected film, definitely, uh, interesting watch because I was expecting something uh completely different. Mm. Um, apparently it it's it's kind of based on a true story of this um. This woman that was found, um, Takako Konishi um was found um dead in a field outside Detroit uh in 2001 and um wow. the media said that she was looking for um the Fargo uh, money um but um there's not we they don't know but she um Takako Kunishi actually committed suicide uh in this film you don't really know what happens but right. um yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a film about you know mental health and how pressure yeah. from society can kind of Wait, drive did, you did, to. Did the media just decide that this was why this woman was there without any evidence? Because that's a well, wild thing to she, just make up. <laughs> well, because she it is because of a conversation she had with a state trooper, right? But I don't like she could have asked. I want to go and see where Fargo is because I watched the film you know yeah, yeah. I don't know but uh yeah um yeah so I don't know but it's a good film uh thank you Jonna for the recommendation I thought it was uh a really uh good watch it was um it's got a Japanese cast and American cast but it's uh directed uh by um an American director called David uh David Zellner, mm. who is also uh, a trooper in the film. And he's also written by David Zellner, but I'm not sure if what David Zellner has done. I recognise the name. Uh, ba, ba, ba. I don't know any of the films he's done. I do remember when this film mm. came out, I thought it sounded interesting, wanted to see it. And then it seemed to vanish. Uh, and I forgot about it until you told me about it the other day. And then I was going to try and watch it, but. Um, Life mm. gets in the way. <laughs> it hasn't really got good reviews, but I think it's because of what you expect and what you get. Yeah. And so I think I think that's it. But I thought I thought it was um, I thought it was good. Hmm. Yeah. We'll try and watch it. I would like to see it. Thank you, Jonna, for the recommendation. Yeah, thank you, Jonna. Thank you for listening to us still. Yes, um, thank you to anyone who is listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for anyone who is listening. And if you have if you have any recommendations like Jonna, please send us through and, uh, you know, I'll watch it. I'll watch anything. I'll watch the Friends reunion twice. 
Uh, yeah, and then <laughs> so and then I watched um, a film uh, on Disney Plus uh, called I think it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, uh, the New Mutants. <laughs> you watched the New Mutants. Yeah, yeah. Wow, uh, I don't well, think. Why do you think I watched a new? Sorry? Why do you think I watched the new Mutants? Why do you think I watched the new Mutants? Oh, because Anya Taylor Joy's in it. Because <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> oh, I'm in love with Anya Taylor Joy. Right. Um, yeah, I think uh, from uh, watching your Letterboxd, I think you watched that too. I did. Not on Disney Plus. It's on Now TV in the UK or Sky. So maybe it's on I, Disney Plus. So I well. watched it on Sky. No, no, I watched it on Sky. Yeah, I watched it on Sky. Not on Disney Plus. But Disney do. It's just because I was when I was when I was reading about it. Um, it uh, it it was talking about Disney because I think you know Disney has got the rights of everything, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But there was some there was a weird contractual thing with uh, the New Mutant specifically, um, and it ended up having to go to Sky Movies after it was in the cinema. I think, but I think it will end up on Disney Plus if it's not there already. Anyway, tell me mm. about the New Mutants, Alex. So the New Mutants is uh, a film <clears throat> starring. It's got a good cast: Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. Anya Taylor Joy, the Anya Taylor Joy, uh, Charlie Heaton, which I'm not really. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. People will know Charlie um, Heaton from Stranger Things. Ah, uh, yes. So I've never seen Stranger Things. Uh, Blue Hunt. Uh, and um, Henry Zaga, who they are the like the main mutants, mm-hmm. and uh, then there is Alice Braga, who is uh, the doctor. Yeah, and this film is about five young mutants, and they are uh, in uh, closed in this facility, and they're trying to figure out their abilities or control them. Um, but they're not. In this facility, voluntarily, they've been brought over and then uh, this doctor is pretending to help them or not pretending to help them. I didn't really get it. Um, and uh, and then uh, they have to try and fight um, to escape and fight their old memories to escape this mental facility. Mm. I guess sort of something like that. Yeah. Sort of. So sort of. Do you, do you know so, where the old memories came from? I think the old memories come from um Danny Moonstar. Yes. And her power. Yes. So Danny Moonstar uh is uh played by Blue Hunt. Uh it starts uh the film starts with um her in a hurricane and her dad taking her away and then this hurricane becoming something else and you're not really sure what it is and then uh, she gets brought into this facility and as soon as she gets into the facility uh, the other mutants kind of start um, feeling things that she that I I think she is making them feel because that's her power yeah making people feel bad <laughs> or manif- physically manifesting the worst fears of people around her physically manifesting the worst fears of yes so as a film 
I didn't mind it, actually. Like, I was hoping to be a little bit more scary. I was expecting, because I think the trailer was scarier than the actual film. So I thought, okay, I'm going to watch a nice, good, scary film about some stuff that is not really real. So it's not going to bother me too much. And uh, and it did it, it it just it had some scary moments, like the guy that Anya Taylor Joy's character Ilyana Rasputin, that was terrifying. That's the best part of the movie. The smiley face guys. That's yeah. The smiley face guys are like that's a terrifying moment. The rest was okay. I guess they had to tame it down for kids. I guess I, I also they had lots of issues with shooting, reshooting. Oh God, it was the, too scary, not scary enough. The journey uh, of this it was film supposed to come out, out three years ago. Bonkers. Yeah, because Anya Taylor Joy looks like a baby. Yeah, yeah. Like she doesn't look like that anymore. No, she she, she filmed <laughs> it ages ago. Yeah, like three years ago. Yeah. I think it was supposed to come out in two thousand eighteen, and so um, it could have been much better, but it wasn't that bad like for a, a film of an hour and a half is okay um if a kid watches it it's not going to be too scared yeah uh if an adult watches it, it's gonna be like oh it's okay um the acting was decent uh, it wasn't too bad I, i've read awful reviews about it well, the act- and I, I don't think the acting is decent but i think the script is awful Hmm. Yeah. Some of the lines yeah. Annie Taylor-Joy is given are just like... Yeah. Also, why is Annie Taylor-Joy not speaking Russian to her dragon? Come on. At one point she speaks to her dragon and clearly she's from a Russian-speaking country and she's, she gets in clo- she put, be, she's been put in isolation and she's got a little dragon and you're going to speak your mother tongue, your mother tongue to your dragon, aren't you? Uh, in reality, maybe, but this is a film. So. Yeah, I guess. But come on, make it, make it. Come on, come on. It's, it's um, not my biggest issue with the film. No, there there are lot lots of there are lots of things that don't really. It's just a lot of stuff. It's a bit of a mishmash, but it was an entertaining hour and a half. It wasn't too bad. I'll watch that twice. Rather than Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. Well, I mean, you could watch it about three times in this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know. Yeah, if you want... what 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 did you think of it? Uh, I gave it like I on Letterboxd, I think I gave it three stars because it was like pretty rubbish, but it's competently made. Like the directing is fine. The acting is fine. It all sort of holds together as a film. It's not like a disaster. It doesn't like, it doesn't, it's not like The Room or Sharknado. It's not a, a, a broken mess of a thing. It just kind of not enough to it. It just doesn't really do very much. There's no mm. villain in it. There's no real bad guy beyond like their internal demons, which is like an interesting idea potentially, but it doesn't do much with it. It barely, it barely even communicates that that's what's happening, let alone like actually using yeah. it as an idea. Like each mutant in it gets one scene pretty much where they're like fighting their internal demons. And then it just moves and on to the And those are the best next. scenes. And those, yeah, they are the best scenes and they should have built on that more, but it, yeah. they don't. They just sort of leave it. Because the scene... 
Yeah, because the scene in the swimming pool, that's pretty cool. The scene in the swimming pool is pretty cool. The scene in the shower with Maisie Williams is, is pretty well done. Oh, that's... Oh, yeah, so there are some really good things. It's just... Put it, like holding it together is just a bit of a bleh. Yeah, like why are they the only people in the? Why are, there, why are there no people in this film? They're the only people in that big facility. Is like these five kids and that one member of staff. It, it, I thought because of that, I was like, well, eventually it's going to turn out that they're in some sort of hologram or something, and they're not actually physically there. It's like a, it's been in, it's a it's a vision that's been created that's holding them captive, and they're actually in a prison or something. But no, they're just in this yeah. facility that somehow is being run entirely by one woman and five teenagers. Why aren't there other people mm. there? Why, like it? And there's no reason for it. The film never justifies that. It just is the way it is. No, and it doesn't make sense. And then the 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 finale is this big stupid bear that looks awful, and it was just kind of like it was originally <laughs> sold as being like they're making a horror themed version of an X Men film that's going to be like R-rated and scary. And it seems that through, yeah. through reshoots and through various people getting involved and saying, no, 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 it has to be this, it has to be that, it has to be the other. It's yeah. eventually been sanitised down and diluted down to the point where it's not really anything. And that's a pity because they did pull together yeah. a good cast. Although Maisie Williams yeah. is not good in it, I don't think. I mean, she's quite a young actress. She's going to do better things in the future, but this is not her finest hour. Charlie Heaton as well, not his finest hour. Anya Taylor-Joy can do no wrong, but she's saddled with some of the worst lines in the film. I think she actually says, see you in hell at one point or somebody, which is just like, it's like saying, I don't know what it's like saying. It's a very cliche clanger of a line. <laughs> and I've, I've not got much time for Like her character's like this kind of rebellious kind of punk. And it's all done in a very yeah. non-rebellious way that makes it just feel like she's a bit of a spoiled brat rather than an actual rebellious teenager yeah and it just it's it was it's just disappointing that it's not better but i can't call it the worst film i've ever seen because it's competently no it just feels like too many people had their fingers in the pie and the pie has been yeah that's the thing just ruined yeah because because i think if you just they left as a horror film i think it would have been pretty good yeah like those creepy mouth because there's some pretty horrific moments in there like the shower one yeah that's terrifying like being naked and vulnerable in a shower that's pretty and and having all this face men no yeah no no yeah. no do you know who very unfortunately yeah. does the voice of those face men when they're screaming who marilyn manson apparently according to the credits who marilyn manson why i don't know but you can't, he's not going to be in any more films for a long time or anything awful man what happened? Oh, he's been accused of all kinds of uh, sexual assault and, and 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 stuff. There's an arrest warrant out for him in some state in America. He's yeah, he's been outed as what? a pretty uh, horrific person. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, well that's the that's the new mutants. Terrible. A bit of a disappointment. That's the new mutants. You know, if you wanna, if you don't know what to watch, you know, watch the new mutants. Yeah. Anya Taylor Joy. She's great. I hope, like, but I hope she finds. I hope she finds herself in um, in a Mar- an actual MCU movie one day or something, and, and like with a good, you know, like Florence Pugh's in the Black Widow movie that's coming out soon. I hope yeah. Anya Taylor Joy finds herself, you know, with a good fun oh. superhero role. Talking about MCU movies, yeah, and you know, last time we talked about um, White Taika Waititi being in a relationship with Rita Ora. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
I know what you're about to well, say. She's not, you're not just with Rita Ora. No, I know, I know. He's in a throuple. Yeah. With Tessa Thompson. With Tessa Thompson. What a modern uh, group of people. <laughs> but what an attractive bunch. Uh, yeah. Like... <laughs> Like, you can think, you know, Rita Ora, she's a bit of a, you know, annoying and whatever. We might find her annoying because of what she's done during lockdown. However, she's a very beautiful woman. She is. And so is Tessa Thompson. And so Taika, is Saika Titi. So Tessa. They're all beautiful humans. Yeah, they are. What nice a, thruple. What a lovely thruple they, they make. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, okay. And now I'm going to talk about uh, music. Uh, so, um, I, um, do you know, uh, uh, there was a, the, well, there is still a singer called, uh, Marina and the Diamonds. She used to be oh, called Marina yes, and the Diamonds. Oh, yes, Marina and the Diamonds, yeah. Yeah, uh, so she's not Marina and the Diamonds. Oh. She's just Marina now. Oh, so okay. she dropped the Diamonds and she's just Marina out, uh, Marina out. <laughs> She is just uh, Marina now, and uh, she. Um, I used to really like listening to her uh, in uh, the early tens. Is that the early tens? Can you say the early tens? Yeah. I've yeah, not. I guess so. The early yeah. tens, you can, or the early teens. I don't know what we call them, but yeah, I know what you mean. Well, yeah. So um, I really liked her album, um, "The Family Jewels," released in 2010, and "Electra Heart" released in 2012. And then after that, I kind of stopped, you know, kind of listening to her. And she yeah. um, just released a few, and she didn't release an album, but mm. she released um, uh, singles, uh, and the album should arrive soon, I think. I think the album is going to really be released in uh, in a few days, actually. But I only listened to the um, the singles, and they're great. They're really good singles. But then I realized that I had never listened to Love Plus Fear, which is her album from 2019. Oh. And so I thought, well, instead of waiting until the 11th of June, I'll listen to her album, Love and Fear. And... Um, uh it's uh i i first of all i love her voice she's got a, a really really interesting and unique voice it's very like low and beautiful and um it's kind of a different um kind of a different genre from uh usual and um uh it's uh the the album is, is uh, divided in two parts and mm. one part is love and one part is pretty sphere and something about psychology saying that we are kind of ruled just by these two um feelings like either love or fear and everything that comes from love is good and everything that comes from fear is bad um but it's it's good it kind of explores uh um you know being a woman and uh being famous and i know it's, it's a really good album and I would definitely uh, recommend listening to it before um, the next, her new album should be coming out on the 11th of June. And I think she's a great um, artist and it's a really, really good album. And same kind of style, but a little bit different. And I don't know, she she dropped the diamonds and she's just Marina just because maybe she wanted to be, I don't know, a new era of her life. Did she lose the diamonds? She did lose the diamonds. Is she insured? Mm, I don't know. It's like, you know, they were Maybe. quite expensive. Maybe it cost a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. Ha-ha! I don't know. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, really good album. <laughs> God. <clears throat> um yeah a really good album and i really enjoyed it and then um spotify says and i listen section of the podcast i should do a jingle spotify says alex listens do you ever do that or do you just listen to what you like no i i i I honestly never ever do that but i'm glad that you do because it produces interesting results yeah, you know, I could, I could, I could tell, I could like recommend people their new favorite band. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I might as well, but just through different research methods. So bitter today. I'm not bitter. It so does, bad. it does mean that you often recommend artists that don't have Wikipedia pages, which makes it tricky when I write the show notes. But it's fine. These guys have a Wikipedia page because they've been around for a very long time. Oh, good. That makes me happy. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. But it's good to, like, explore different things and, you know, get to know different bands and have an eclectic taste, no? Yeah, but maybe you could write their Wikipedia page in future so I've got something to link to. You know I can't write. (laughs) That's your your thing. Uh, I'm behind the scenes. I I do all the rest. You do the writing, man. Yeah, okay. We've always been at that since we've known each other. You've always done my writing. Yeah, I've always yeah. sent you texts. Is this okay? And you say, no, this is not. So it's yeah, fine. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, who have you listened to? That's how we work. I don't know what I contributed to your life, but you contribute the writing to my life. Joy. Joy. Uh, so, um... Yeah, so um, Spotify recommended me uh, this uh, indie pop band from Nottingham and they're called London Grammar. Uh, I don't know if you know them. I know of them. I've not listened to them. Uh, Yeah, and they've been together since 2009, so long enough to have a Wikipedia page. And the album I uh, listened to is called... Uh, California Soil and it was uh, released uh, uh, this year uh, maybe um, about a month ago mm, yeah they did yeah they put out yeah. about a month ago yeah and it's um, it, it's um, well until I read the Wikipedia page I thought she was just a solo artist because her voice is so great and if she feels more like a, a solo artist but they're actually a band and um uh, this album is uh very personal and it kind of talks about um you know her rediscovering herself and taking uh gaining possession of her life and um although success as a musician can be uh you know can be you can imagine being really great um you might feel unfulfilled in other ways and uh and not in control because a lot of times you know uh you're somebody else is controlling your life mm, you know mm. not uh, necessarily uh you and um it's um it's it's an interesting album because it's not really there's some songs that really stick out and uh, uh and there's some songs that you just kind of like they they I, I listened to this album quite a lot recently and it's just you know when you have those albums where you 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 know this let's say there are 12 tracks and you definitely know four and the others you kind of go 
is this the right album? Yeah. And that kind of is the feeling of the album. And um, and I really like it, but I need to. You kind of need to get really into it to enjoy it. Mm. I think it's a good album, um, but it's uh, it's it's maybe maybe not as memorable as others I've listened to. Uh, but I, I really I really enjoyed it. It's it's a good uh, it's a good um, it's a good good listen. If you want to listen to something new, you might enjoy uh, London Grammar. Yes, I think please. they're good. Sounds good. Yeah, and uh, that's it for my culture catch-up this week. Sounds good. Mm. Some good stuff there. Thank you very much for sharing it. Oh, you're welcome. I've got a I've got a video for you for my tube. Okay, so I've pressed I've not pressed play yet. I'm ready to press play. Are you ready? Okay. So what what is it first of all? I'm looking at a picture of uh Grimes stood in front of a keyboard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so as soon as I watched this, I was like, George has to watch it. Okay. Weird, okay. Right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna count down to when I press the play button. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Three, two, yeah. one, play. So what is she doing? Um She's sort of She's sort of doing a, a sort of a dance with her Oh She's sampling herself, and then... Yeah, but it, like... It's a total mess, isn't it? It's pretty weird. Oh, now she's swinging her arm around. I think I know this song. But whatever it's doing is, like, totally random. Like... It's yeah. like me pressing a lot of buttons and go, well, this is the song. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah? She's very into it. I don't know. What do you think now? It's good. I know this song. I like this song. Yeah, yeah. She's sort of, yeah. She's bizarre, isn't she? But from all that chaos at the beginning, then she's got the song and you go, how on earth <laughs> did you yeah, manage... Yeah. To do what you've just done. And it's a really good song. Beauty, beauty from Chaos. It's true, isn't it? Now the the stage has been invaded. She's definitely like... Feels like it, she's right on the edge of not holding it together the whole time. It's the kind of gig I would enjoy a lot. Yeah. I was like, I would like to see Grimes live now. Because she's just like... 
she was pressing buttons and then it was a noise and then suddenly it becomes like a really good song it's quite the fringe she's got there she, as well yeah that's the video it's cool no it's good i like her i do like her music a lot she's a she's a frustrating like personality but um her music's her music is great i can't argue against it um can i send you a a, a video of course um you might have seen it just have a look tell me if you've if you've already seen it we'll just skip okay. it okay yes yes i've seen oh, it okay. and i can't wait to watch it yeah, 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 yeah. i'm excited as well so yeah george sent me a video a trailer of uh, a new film that's going to come out last night in soho by um directed by edgar wright yeah i'm so excited yeah, me too. i'm so excited looks amazing yeah. and anya is in it and the I don't know her name though. She's from Jojo Rabbit. Mackenzie Davis, I think she's called. Mm. Um, yeah, from Jojo. Yeah, Rabbit. she's she's a great. I'm very actress excited. As well, so. No, no, no. She's not called Mackenzie Davis. Yeah. she's called Thomasin Mackenzie. Perfect. Thomasin Mackenzie. Great. Yeah, she's great. Mackenzie Davis is great as well, but she's not in this film. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. When is great. this film going to come out? Um, I think it's like September or something. So, a okay. few months, but it'll, it'll... But yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. Um, oh, did you see the Eternals trailer? No. Oh, I'll watch that. Should we check that out? Let me find that for you. Thank you for this. Oh, you're welcome. So now that Captain Rogers and Iron Man are both gone... Who do you think is going to lead the Avengers? Aww. I don't know what the film is about, but it looks lovely. <laughs> I really want to watch it. <laughs> I'm a little bit teary. I don't know why. It looks beautiful. Well, you know I who the director is, yeah? Yeah, Chloe Zhao. Looks she's got beautiful. That, yeah, she's able. She's got that same sort of beautiful landscapes going on that she uh, she had in Nomadland. She's very good. on a bigger scale. It's beautiful. Yeah. What do you think of it? I think I, I want to watch it. It'd be amazing to watch. I want to watch it. I think, it, like you said, it's hard to tell what the movie's going to be about from that. It's something to do with because the Eternals are these gods that are, that live forever. I, and I've seen people. I've seen something about how it's going to tell the story of humanity across six thousand years or something. So I think it's going to be quite an epic scale film. So yeah, I'm interested to. I'm I'm excited to see it. The cast mm. looks brilliant. Um, Good. Gemma Chan yes. is Gemma Chan is apparently kind of the lead in it, but it's obviously an, an ensemble. So, yeah, I'm so Looks glad beautiful. that she's managed to kind of like get the lead in something because she's so good and yeah, 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 definitely. Um, it's good. I'm less. I'm less. I've never been a bigger fan of Richard Madden, um, who's the kind of the main guy in it. It seems, but uh, hopefully he's good. Hopefully he'll, he'll do a good job. Angelina Jolie's in there, of course, and uh, a few other people. So, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Lots of Marvel movies Very coming nice. out this year. Me too. Okay, shall we talk about our homework? Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework now. So, I had to watch uh, the directorial debut of Drew Barrymore. Uh, because it was yes. one of your favourite films from the noughties. Uh, and that is the yeah. roller 
Derby coming of age film, Whip It. Yes. Yes. Whip It came out in 2009. It is, uh, like I said, directed by Drew Barrymore and it stars uh, the always perfect Elliot Page along with Marsha Gay Harden, Kristen Wiig, Drew Barrymore herself, Juliette Lewis, Daniel Stern and one man who you um, seemingly forgot to mention was in the film when you told me to watch it, Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) (laughs) But never mind. Did it disturb you? Uh, it upset me a bit, but it's fine. I got through it. What? Come on, poor guy. Um, so, <laughs> oh, and Alia Shawkat's in it as well. She's so good. Um, so, yeah, it is, uh, it's a film about a, um, a teenage girl played by Elliot Page um, called uh, Bliss Cavender, who is... Uh, being forced by her mum, it seems, to participate in beauty pageants when she's not, her heart isn't really in it. And she also works part-time mm. in a diner with her best friend, um, da, 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 Pash, played by Ali Shawkat. And uh, one day, they she's in a... She loves indie music as well, it becomes quite clear. She mm. loves kind of alternative music. Uh, the so- the entire movie is soundtracked to like alternative and indie music. It, it opens with like a Kings of Leon song and and kind of continues from there. And she's in a sort of alternative shop with her mum, who's much more buttoned up than she is, buying some shoes. And she sees some people skating and leave a poster for a roller derby match. And uh, she is intrigued and convinces her friends to uh, drive her to see what it's all about. They watch it. She falls in love with it immediately. And Kristen Wiig tells her she should get involved um, as long as she's over the age of 21. She lies and says she is and uh, proceeds to go to tryouts and join the team and immediately uh, discovers that she has a real proficiency for roller derby and um, joins a team. What are they called? What's her team called in it? They're called like the um, the Hurl Scout. No, the, yeah, yeah, the Hurl, Hurl Scouts is her team. Yeah. Um, with Kristen Wiig and Kristen Wiig. Drew Barrymore, uh, Zoe Bell is on that team as well. Um, And she joins them and they start to uh, improve thanks to her incredible skills at uh, roller derby. Uh, They go up against a few other teams, including the main rivals, the Holy Rollers, who are led by Juliette Lewis. Um, And uh, obviously, at a certain point, the fact that she's the wrong age, the fact that her parents don't want her to do it, all of these things end up coming into play and putting milestones in the way, putting, not milestones, roadblocks in the way of her achieving her dreams of just playing roller derby because she loves it. And um, that's kind of the film. Um, It's sort of, it's sort of, it's it's kind of like to be if you were being unfair to it, you could say it's kind of you've seen it before if you've seen an underdog sports film kind of thing. Yeah, because it's not breaking Which the mold are in that incredible film. Yeah, yeah, and I like I like those kinds of films, <laughs> but I think yeah. it's it's definitely like an amazing example of that. First of all, it's directed by a woman. It's about a female a women led sport. Um, and there's not enough movies really focused on, you know, women in sport for certain. So that's something that's really positive about it. And then Drew Barrymore just directs it with 
love. She loves the subject matter. She loves that she's making the film. And you can tell in just about every shot of the movie that she's just loving what she's doing. She's loving being there. And she's got together a cast who are having a really fun time. And it's one of those movies that ends with sort of bloopers and outtakes showing the filming process. And everyone's just laughing and having a brilliant time and loving it. And um, it seemed like it was a great movie to make. And it resulted in mm. a tone and an atmosphere in the film itself that's exactly what you want for this kind of movie. Um, and it's great. Marsha Gay Harden, we talk about her a lot. Uh, for some reason, she always comes up. And she's <laughs> she's brilliant in this as the mum. Uh, Daniel Stern from Home Alone, who I've not seen anything for ages, is really, really good as her dad. Um, and yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I finally watched it. It's been on my list to watch for so so long um ever since it came out i was a bit like oh, i really like elliot page i really like well i guess i like i like coming of age films i like i like stuff like that i like the kind of the trailer made it look good and i just never got around to watching it so i'm really glad i finally did um and yeah it just it's really it's one of those movies where it's really nice to just see people supporting each other and being friends and just achieving their goals I, I, it's a nice film it's a good film yeah. So I'm glad you enjoyed no, it. I really did. I'd, I'd like, recommend it. Jimmy Fallon is annoying in it, but he's not in it too much. <laughs> oh, poor Jimmy. No, he's doing fine. Yeah. Hmm? He's doing absolutely he's doing fine. fine. He doesn't need my uh, <laughs> praise. Juliet Lewis. Juliet Lewis is great in it. She's so well cast as the kind of mad, yeah. crazy villain because. Her personality is always that she's a bit unhinged and wild, and you know she is in real life. She mm. fronts a band. She's a rock star. She's kind of yeah a big personality, and she works really, really well in this movie as um as yeah. uh, Iron Maven is her character's name. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm glad you watched it. Julian Lewis is Juliet Lewis. Julian Juliet Lewis is good in a lot of stuff. Yeah, she is. She's a good. She's a Amazing. good actress. Julia everyone, good. everyone in well, this movie. Well, there's not much good. not. Yeah, there's not much not to like about this film. It's pretty fun no, and good, no. and the violence is fun, and it's got some good moments. Yeah, there's a, the amazing moment when they um they arrive second, and their coach goes, "Yeah, you know, you become you arrive second like of two teams. Well done, <laughs> if that makes yeah. you happy. It's so funny. It's just." Yeah, because they're really celebrating it, aren't they? And they're like, we, we, we were second. Yeah. And the coach is like, yeah, out of two teams. And they're like, yeah, we did a great job. <laughs> yeah, they're just happy to be, yeah, doing it. It's really good. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, I didn't watch such a fun film. <laughs> no, not a fun film. Uh, so, for my homework, I had to watch um, the film uh, called Children of Men. Uh, directed by Alfonso Cuarón mm -hmm. and with an amazing cast, Julianne Moore, Clive Owen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Michael Caine uh, and uh, others. There's, uh, yeah, a lot of other people, but these are kind of... As you mean. There's somebody from Pam Ferris. She's... Cool in it. Oh, the Trunchbull. She's the midwife. Yeah. And Claire Hope Ashti as Key. She's one of the main characters, but I don't know her as an actress. No, I don't think she went on really. to do very much after that, sadly, because she's. No. 
she's she's uh yeah yeah but so children of men let's go back to the film uh so uh children of men is a film about a world where uh infertility is uh, threatening uh mankind with extinction and it starts with uh, the, the the news of the youngest person uh, on earth, Diego, uh, dying. So the youngest person on earth dies. Uh, and um, it starts with like people mourning. The world seems to be going into not working very well. So the news, it seems that England is the only, Great Britain is the only uh, nation that is still not, is still working somehow. Mm. And that is because of their tackling of uh, immigration. And uh, Clive Owen, uh, first of all, I didn't realise it was going to be a film set in England. So when Clive Owen starts speaking, I'm like, is Clive Owen English? I was. What, did you not, I was really surprised. Did you not know Clive Owen was English? Just anyway. No. Oh, wow, no. <laughs> like I must have known, but I've seen him in so not very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, 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 I don't know. Um, and so, um, and uh, he kind of um, becomes uh, the the vessel and the savior of humanity is the unlikely hero mm. that his ex-partner um con- contacts him and because she's the, he's the only person that uh, she can trust and uh he uh has now and from uh office worker of you know some kind of governmental of government governmental office he then becomes the hero to save humanity which humanity is this pregnant woman who needs to leave England so that's the film this film is crazy (laughs) like it's so it's it just it just hits so many buttons and so many realities um like so uh everybody in Britain is mourning this Diego kid that is, um, it was the youngest um, boy. Whilst, and they're mourning and crying whilst there are people in cages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's, an, it's an absolute insane. dystopia. It's an absolute dystopia, which is kind of reality mm. because people are actually in cages. Uh, in America, we know. In England, they're keeping them in barracks. In Italy, they're keeping them on boats. You know, people are actually imprisoned for trying to flee their country. But in- instead, we're going to cry about, you know, Meghan taking away Harry from, you know, the the monarchy. It's kind of very too close to home yeah. in a way. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. And that really, and that at the beginning, I was like, oh. And so that started that way. I was just like, oh, George. Um, <laughs> yeah, you could have watched uh, Mulholland Drive. It, I know, I know. But, I, I, but I, I'll tell you. <laughs> so what, it's 2027 and it is a dystopian future. But it's not a dystopian future that cannot be related to us because everything is pretty similar. 
there's mm. a little bit more technology, but it's not 2027 as, you know, flying cars yeah, and flying. Yeah. It's 2027, but what could be 2027? Yeah. Which I thought that was really interesting. Every things are a little bit different, but uh, they are the same. Something that I thought was really sweet about the film is like old animals love Clive Owen. If there's an animal, Clive Owen is next to it. Did you notice? I had never picked up on that. That's interesting. There's always a cat or a dog or something like an animal, and he's and they're like they're like oh he likes you and there's uh, that's re- like a really nice touch. Yeah. You don't have to put that, but it's a really nice touch of uh, every time there's an animal, Clive Owen is next to this animal, and this animal is like doing something really sweet about the. It's just really nice, mm. um, uh, and it's. It was unexpected, and I think it's a genius film that should be watched by everyone. Wow. It's it, it just is uh who written? I didn't write like I'll based on a novel on by actually written this film. Yeah. And it's just it's it's an interesting story because it shows it shows the injustices of the world, mm. why people leave their countries to come to your country because they're escaping wars and they're escaping persecution. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, and, and it, it shows how you would have to explain, it, 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 try to it, um, uh, explain, try to um, escape England. Like, what if this happened in England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems that all the the all the bad things that uh, happened because of like Western colonization have come back in England, and that's how it is. Mm. I just thought it was such an interesting concept, but so real. It was made in two thousand and nine, and now you know we're still talking about illegal immigrants coming over, closing borders, putting them in cages, and this was made. 12 years ago or even more and it's so actual and current and it shows the disgustingness of people not realizing why you would get on a boat and risk your life to get to safety and Clive Owen does that and in the end he gets the person they're supposed to get to in in safety. No it came out in 2006 in 2006. Yeah. And I don't know how and accurate it is, but the novel came out in 1992. Yeah. And it's still relevant oh, okay. to, to today. It's still relevant, but it's more relevant yeah, because yeah. we have... We have as we have people that are, are disgusting that that treat immigrants in a horrible way and they say we have to, like, we, we can't have migration and we Brexit... Uh, you know, closing the borders to everyone. What? Why? Why? The wars. The wars have been created by us, but <laughs> haven't they? Mm-hmm. So, uh, sorry. Sometimes I get a little bit. Um, <laughs> what did you think I of Alfonso Cuarón's he... direction? Because some of there's some like long single shots. Like there's a scene sequence in a car. Perfect. Early on. Perfect. There's a sequence in a car where they're just doing their thing and it's like, oh, wow. And everybody's happy. And you you realize that, you know, there was something between Julianne Moore and, and um, you know, like there were actual love and 
then are you going to pop? And then you see something in the corner of the camera. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're not going to make it. And you go, what? I had to rewind that bit. I had to watch it twice because I thought it was brilliant, brilliant filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just see a ball of fire coming from the right side yeah. and you're going to make it. You're going to make and then And then the, it comes and then they, oh, it's just perfect. Yeah, I yeah. loved this film. I think it's amazing. It's sad when um, when she dies. You go, what? You don't expect yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, when Marika, the the woman that saves them, um, pushes them pushes them away from the boat, and to, so they think you're going to sea, yeah. and she stays, yeah. and he goes, "Oh, Marika, come with us." And she said, "I was bawling." I was like, Marika, get on the boat. <laughs> get on the boat, Marika. And she doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't get on the boat. And I thought it was so... It's it's a genius film. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It's perfect. It's exactly... It, it is just if this if what we have done to the east and to all these countries have come back to British soil and everything that's happening over there is happening here. Think about it. Think about it. And it's that's my I if that's my recommendation for the week. Watch Children of Men. Oh. It's amazing. I was blown away by it. Good, I'm glad. I really was, and even Clive Owen, who I, I for me is like the vanilla guy. Yeah, he's an actor that people don't I like. Liked I'll, him. I'll always give him a bit of credit for the fact that he's in this film, and he's you know he's good in it. He, 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 the film sort of happens around him a lot, I think, but he does a good job. Yeah, and I liked. He's kind of vanilla, but it works. It's what's required, yeah. The scenes where he just go like he's just trying, you know, when they're bombing and he's trying to like get through this thing, yeah. and and the camera follows him, and you go, oh my, how is he gonna do it? But it's just perfect yeah. because he's perfect. He's well cast as a, uh, like Michael an ordinary Kane's... man that's drawn into an extraordinary situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Michael Caine is amazing. <laughs> One of the scenes is in made me so sad. Oh, I was. I don't know. It's so unexpected and yeah. what's right, what's wrong. Oh, no, George, it was really good. 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 I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it's... and I will recommend it 100%. Watch it. Love everyone. Stop being. <laughs> no, that's good because it, it came out and I remember I, I, it, it's a brilliant film and it just didn't get the recognition yeah. it deserved at the time. But Well, we can't, can it? It's too true. <laughs> That's probably it, actually. It can't get recognition because it shows how, what what, what on earth are we fighting for? Because at the end of the day, what, when, when the, one of the amazing scenes is like when there's all the bombing and then they, they've realized as a kid and it goes silent. And you go, what you're doing is completely useless and point no what you're doing is completely pointless bombing each other fighting for something that is pointless yeah because the moment you realize that there's one kid and you stop that means that whatever you've done until now is pointless and until you get to that realization i don't know i yeah i'm so glad i watched it i would have not given it one second of thought no, because it's Clive Owen. I'm sorry, Clive. You're great in this film. I don't know why I've got such low expectations. Yeah, but the like and the 
I don't even know what films he's in. Uh, he's, he's just in a lot of... He's, he's not brilliant. And, but, like, the posters for it were just, like, his... The posters for it were rubbish. Like, it was, it was not... It was badly sold. Yeah. Anyway, good film. So I don't want to sell it badly. Watch Children of Men. Five, four, three, two, one, our top five. Okay. Are you ready are you ready for some uh, for some top five? Yeah. Good. Good. Are you ready for some a uh, top of five? Uh just about, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. Just about. <laughs> uh, it was an interesting one because I was, yeah, because um, I moved to England in two thousand and one. Yeah. So for me, the two thousands was like a period of transition. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Of going from one culture to another. So, for me, I just I I I didn't find it difficult. I just was like, are these naughty's bands? In the sense of, but I just gonna go with fair it. enough fair enough so i'll start so my so yeah top five notice bands i've gone a little bit similar to how not entirely but a little bit similar to how you did the 90s ones where it's bands some of these bands i don't listen to as much anymore but they really represent the noughties to me um yeah so to start with i've got a hardcore punk band Ooh. from Chicago in America. They formed in 1999, but released their debut album mm-hmm. in 2001. So they are firmly a noughties band under any definition. They released one, two, three, four, five albums in the noughties. And they are the wonderful punk rock band Rise Against. Who? <laughs> Have you never heard of Rise Against? No, I was I was expecting a race against the machine, and then you went. Well, that uh, even though they're not two thousand <laughs> and all, you like rise against what that's, the machine? That's rage against the machine. <laughs> no, that's rage against the machine. Um, no, no, rise against are um a band. They're just like kind of a classic hardcore punk band, um, with a lot of like they're really big on social commentary, political commentary. I think all of the band are vegans, like they're very kind of socially active, socially aware group of people. Um, they, what I like about them, because a lot of a lot of hardcore punk bands, especially of that era, um, the vocals would be entirely like screaming the entire time. And for me, that's not necessarily my favorite thing. I like a bit of it, but not completely. But Rise Against mix really aggressive music and really aggressive vocals with really melodic music and really catchy hooks and clean singing and they do they kind of mix it all together and um it produces like very fun music with a lot of like with lyrics that really kind of can make you stop and think a little bit and some of it maybe could be described as a bit um like cheesy in places um but for me uh, it all really works i think in particular, they've got an album called uh, What Was the One That's Really Good? Oh, my phone would take this moment. Perfect. Siren Song of the Counterculture was their kind of breakthrough, breakthrough album. And there's a song in there called Give It All, which is really good. They've got a song in there called Swing Life Away. 
And then what I really like about them is they end up doing quite often, they'll have like one really acoustic-y, cleanly sung song on each album. And in particular, uh, they've got on an album called Appeal to Reason, they've got a song called Hero of War, which is a really, um, you know, heart-on-the-sleeve song about uh, PTSD and, um, you know, going to war, coming home from a war like like the Iraq War, being hailed as a hero by people in your hometown, but then knowing that you committed, you know, potential, you committed atrocities or, you know, having to live with maybe the awful things that happened or that you did in the war um, mm. while people around you would just just want to call you a hero and not not have any discussions about kind of the more complex nature of, of war. So, you know, a lot of their songs deal with issues like that or various different things. And it's just it's just um it's just great music. They're really they're really proficient, talented musicians. Their lyrics are really, really good and really kind of heartfelt and socially conscious, like I said. And uh, I love them. Rise Against, they're a really good band. They have become in recent years, uh, their more recent albums, it's a bit like I've heard I've like you've done this already kind of thing. Like they've continued to put music out and it's a bit diminishing returns nowadays, in my opinion. But their mm. output from the noughties in particular. Um, Siren Song of the Counterculture, The Sufferer and the Witness, Appeal to Reason and Endgame, like those four albums all in a row were excellent. So, so yeah, Rise Against, that's my number five spot. You haven't heard of them, but you should, cool. you should check them out. I will, maybe. <laughs> um, what's your number five? Uh, my number five. Um, my number five is uh, Naughty's... Nine, late 90s Naughties duo. Okay. They've released more albums in the Naughties. That's fine. We can live with that. And I feel, and I feel like they definitely were like a Naughties band. And they are um, French electronic music duo. Uh, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Daft Punk are, uh, they're like incredible DJs. They've, uh, they're really creative, uh, with their, with their music. Um, I started listening to them from their second hub album, uh, Discovery. And, uh, what I, I, I loved about, uh, their album is it was kind of like, a a uh, visual album as well. So if you watched, uh, if you had MTV, you would see the story of the songs um, from, uh, it was like a kind of uh, a Japanese anime and every song had a little cartoon with it. And it was like, you kind of went through the story. So you had the video with the song and uh, they're, they're amazing. They're really great. They're unique. And um, their first album was released in 1997 great album but uh i i got into them with their second album uh discovery and um it's uh it's a good it's they're great i they you know they're iconic uh they only released uh four albums and one soundtrack and they did the entire soundtrack for uh the tron legacy in 2010 the only good thing about that movie is oh, it? That movie's rubbish. Oh, yeah. but their their soundtrack's uh... great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, <laughs> uh, 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 a characteristic of uh, Daft Punk is that they you don't never see their faces. You they wear these helmets, mm-hmm. and I don't know, they're just great. I love listening to them, and I uh, they're great. They were innovative at the time. Uh, I, I think I think the first time I heard them was from the Around the World video. Of uh, do do you see the around the world video um, where they uh, they just go up the stairs yeah I think so and then go around the stairs yeah yes yeah. yes yes yeah. yes so yes, they yes, kind yeah so they they're not just they just they're not just like a music band they they're like artists like the musical artists and I think they're uh, amazing and I love them yeah yeah I don't listen to much electronic yeah. music but I love Daft Punk I think they cross boundaries a lot. In terms of like they they appeal yeah. to people <clears throat> who aren't just fans of electronic music, they appeal to like everyone really. I think or everyone with an open mind at least. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, dad. Um, no, your no, dad. Definitely not my dad. But never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who's your number four? My number four is a band. I doubt you all have heard of them. Um, they are a. Eight-piece band from Birmingham in England, and their music, according to Wikipedia, is a mix of jazz, lounge, psychedelia, two-tone pop, and punk. Um, they are a band called Misty's Big Adventure. I don't know. No, they they formed apparently in 1996, but their first album I think was self-released in 2003. 2004, 2005, 2006. So they released most of their albums in uh, in the noughties. They were, because I've discussed this before, I didn't really do music uh, until I was about 18 uh, when I started getting into it. And Misty's Big Adventure were the first band I ever saw live. And then I think they were for a while the band I'd seen live the most times because they were quite small. They used to do tours all the time and I went to see them quite often in the noughties when they were really active. Um, they were pretty cool live. They had a... Do you know the Happy Mondays have Bez? Yeah. Who doesn't really do much in the band, but when they are performing live, he kind of dances with his maracas and things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Misty's Big Adventure have got a guy who they call the erotic Volvo, and he has his face painted blue, and then the entire rest of his body is covered in a big red blanket uh, Okay. with blue rubber gloves attached all over it so he looks like he's made of hands but uh, essentially and uh when they're playing he dances to all the songs and goes down into the audience and dances around with everyone and it's a pretty weird he's an odd guy and i remember years ago on their social media pages it was like a week where they were kept being like has anyone seen the erotic volvo we've lost him we've genuinely lost him he disappeared after our last gig and eventually they were like we found him he'd like gone to go get a kebab and got lost it was just they were a very peculiar band and their music is their music is strange. Like the first album I listened to of theirs is called, uh, I think, The Black Hole. Um, and like some of the songs, like Smart Guys Wear Ties, uh, Elevator, Escalator, Stairs. Like they're pretty, it's pretty odd, silly music, but it's really, really fun. And I really, really mm-hmm. like it. Uh, but it never, like they've never been like well known by anyone. Um mm. And I haven't listened to them much in a while, but they're still sort of going. They're still putting music out. Um, the the mm. lead singer is called Grandmaster Gareth, and uh, he's he's always updating <laughs> on what they're doing. Um, 
and yeah, they're just they're just this interesting, strange, weird thing that um kind of kind of just if if you if you've heard of them, you've heard of them. If you've not heard of them, you never will hear of them kind of thing. But um mm. but they're they're cool. I really like them. Uh I would recommend people check them out. Uh and they're, they're even they're so small that if you look them up on um Spotify or something. Not all of their music is mm. on Spotify. Like only some of their albums have have made it to Spotify and stuff like that. But yeah, they're good. Misty's Big Adventure. Check them out. Cool. Never yeah. heard of them. No. No. Nobody has. <laughs> that's my that's my number four is Misty's Misty's Big Adventure. Uh, and if for some somehow you ever get the opportunity to see them live, please, please, please watch them because they're so good. I'd love to see them again. Okay, what's your number four? Uh, okay, so my number four is a band. It's not a band. Is Well, it's kind of a band. There are some members, uh, but it's a, also called a virtual band, created in 1998 of course. by uh, Damon Alban. Mm-hmm. And artist uh, Jamie Hewlett, 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 Hewlett. Hewlett, I think is it Hewlett. Sure. Hewlett. I think so. Jamie Hewlett, mm-hmm. and and the band is called Gorillaz. Yeah. 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 So, um, like you know, I love Blur and uh, anything that would come after, you know, by Damon Albarn would be a good thing for me. And uh, in 2001, I think, let me check, 2001? Yeah, in 2001, they uh, released an um, EP uh, called Gorillaz. They're definitely like, for me, like a noughties band because they did most of the beginning of the work in the noughties and I think it was like an amazing concept and the fact that Damon Albarn was like kind of um, you know playing with hip-hop and Latino music and different music from Blur was really surprising Mm. and really good and the fact that they were not a band they were a virtual band and even when you went to see them live uh, at the beginning it would just be a screen it wouldn't be them yeah I'm pretty sure yeah, the beginning, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was just a completely different concept and, and and an amazing concept. And they released some great albums and great songs. Even even the newest one in 2021, Song Machine. I think it's just great. I, yeah, Song I Machine's like fun. I, I mean, for me, yeah, Demon, Demon Days is like untouchably what? perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Demon Days is amazing, and it's 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 great. And every song in their album, every single, came with a a, a video of um of uh, well design. I think was drawn by the artist James Hewlett. Yeah, yeah, Jamie yeah. Hewlett. And there was like a loose and, narrative, uh, even wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, and there there are kind of like some uh, the names. Um, you know, they are. Did it not have names as well, which I can't... Yeah, like 2D, Murdoch, Noodles. I can't remember what the drummer's called. 2D is the singer. Yeah, 2D. So the names are 2D, Murdoch, Nichols, Russell Hobbs and Noodle. And and they're, they're just really fun. And the videos are cool and they're good sound. And it's, um, 
it's a really interesting concept for a band. Yeah. And yeah. I think uh, what Damon Ar- Damon Albert was saying was it, with Blur, he couldn't explore certain sounds that he could explore with Gorillaz. And yeah. uh, so like the fact that he's a, an incredible musician and has got an incredible concept for a band like this. And yeah, it's, um, they're good. Yeah. I like Gorilla. a lot. My favourite weird thing about that with like the virtual band members and stuff is that I think they, were, they did an album a couple of years ago called The Now Now. And I think on that album, Murdoch, the bassist with the green skin guy, left the band yeah. and was replaced temporarily by a character from the Powerpuff Girls cartoon. Because obviously they're a cartoon band, they exist in a cartoon world, yeah. so they have to get a yeah. cartoon as the new band member. So there's yeah. a couple of music videos where yeah. there's a guy there with green skin and he doesn't look like Murdoch. And I was like, why is that guy? And I looked it up and it's because it's this other green skin character who was originally in the Powerpuff Girls that they've brought. It's, it's crazy. They're such a, a fascinating uh, project. Uh, yeah, I like, I like yeah. Gorillaz a lot. Yeah. I'm I, glad I don't know, like, you picked them. Yeah, well, uh, you would have, and also the, when when it came out, you would have assumed they w- he would have done one album. Yeah, he's been so successful that it just carried on because you would have thought it maybe was just like a passion project on the side, but in reality, it was just a masterful mastermind idea. Yeah, and he seems to have got more yeah. into it. The, the or both of them seem to have become more into it the yeah. longer they've gone. I mean, what gorillas have become yeah. more and more important because there was like a big gap between albums originally. Particularly, I think after yeah. from Demon Days to Plastic Beach, maybe it was like quite a gap. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was two thousand and ten, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, but then they seem to really like. Mm. Uh, in recent years, he's he really doubled down on it and gone. No, we like doing gorillas now, and we're just going to be gorillas for a while. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so my number three pick then is a Canadian band. Oh. Or. If you're going to read Wikipedia, a Canadian experimental music collective. Uh, that formed, nice. Yeah. They formed in Quebec in 2004. No, sorry, not in 2004. They formed in, in, they formed in 1994 and they did release a little bit of music in the noughties. But their kind of big, huge, um, iconic album was released in the year 2000 uh so i'm I'm categorizing them for my purposes as a noughties band uh that album is lift your skinny fists like antennas to heaven and the band is godspeed you black emperor yeah which you don't you're shaking yeah (laughs) you're just talking some gibberish (laughs) from i don't know anyone you know all of mine (laughs) sorry um that's fine. They are a experimental post-rock group. Um, their specific thing is, because Seagull Ross are kind of a post-rock group, but they've got that kind of um, Hoplandic uh, vocals in there. Godspeed's thing is a lot of, like, they have samples going on. They've sampled old films and stuff like that and put it in. Um, they have really, really long songs, like uh, Raise Your, Lift Your Skinny Fist Like Antennas to Heaven has got, like four songs on it and it's an hour and a half long so they um they go all in on kind of big long epic songs that build and build and build and get louder and louder and louder uh, supposedly live they are like uncomfortably loud which and i'm seeing them next year so i'm, I'm quite excited about that because i've never seen them live before um 
and yeah, they're just a great like if you want to just sort of zone out for a bit and just listen to something without having to think too much, or like not without, but like you just want to be able to zone out and just have something on while you lie down for a while or something. Godspeed, you Black Emperor mm. are the perfect tonic for for that. Um, they're they're great and they're very um, similar to Rise Against. They're very politically anarchic and um, kind of a bit a bit sort of um, social change things but obviously they don't have lyrics in their songs so mm. it's uh it's it's interesting it's interesting they're brilliant they're really good godspeed you black emperor um they've done a few albums they took a big gap they released an album in 2002 and then they didn't do anything else for 10 years so they were only really only active like in the early noughties but uh when they when they brought mm. back they came back with a much more sort of um, toned down sounds that was very droney, a lot of drones happening in their more recent music. They just released an album that I talked about a few weeks ago called God's P at State's End, which is a brilliant album mm. and kind of returns to their early naughty sound. Um, but if nobody's like, if you've listened to them, you've never heard of them, you've never listened to them, then go straight to Lift Your Skinny Fists Like Antennas to Heaven because that album is uh, perfect and iconic. So, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, it is. they are good. They're really good. Godspeed you, Black Emperor. Nice. Okay. Sir. What's your number three? Uh, my number three. Uh, we are going to Norway. Uh, my number three is a Norwegian electronic music duo from Tromsø uh, in <laughs> Norway. I don't know what Tromsø is. And they're called Roiksop. Roiksop. Do you know them? Interesting. I, I think I've heard it, but I've never listened to it. Ah, uh, so they formed in 1998, but the first album was released in 2001 and it was called Melody AM, uh, a great album, which I uh, love. Um, but yeah, so uh, they, um, they've got their, an electronic duo, so a bit like Daft Punk. Like I think the notice for me was like electronic uh, time um, and uh, they uh, their music is kind of really um, warm and welcoming and nice to listen to it's really just nice uh, like a really good music I don't know it just feels like home like I listened to the album again today and I was just like oh yeah and um, it's got like a it's kind of a uh, downbeat and it's got a little bit of house and um, um, they don't use always the same lead vocals. There's always different lead vocals. So um, uh, in in their first album, there's two different uh, singers singing. And then um, in the in the next album, there's completely different singers. So it's not kind of like it's always ever changing. Uh, the music is there, but the vibes uh, kind of change and um, they use synthesizers uh, they uh, they they you know I love my fist synths and um, they they write their own music they sit they uh, remix all their music and uh, they're they're really really good and they've got I've got really fond memories of listening to them uh, in the in the noughties and uh, uh, I think they're really really great. Roiksop. Roiksop, interesting. I've I've heard of them, but I've never ever listened to them. So. Mm. Mm. And they're better than yeah, gorillas. That's huge. 
Yeah, it was hard. It was a hard list because I feel it was more kind of, like I said before, it was a moment of transition for me. So yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of what made me feel a little bit more kind of, I don't know. No, 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 I agree. Like, because there were some bands that really felt like early notice to me and then some bands that felt like yeah. kind of late notice because it was like, I, I've mm. said I didn't move countries, but it was also my period of really growing up. So I changed quite a lot and what I was interested in changed mm. over those yeah. 10 years, um, more than any other 10-year period probably. So, yeah, no, it's a not, it's a, yeah, no, cool. Voiksop, I like it. Good. Okay. Yeah. What's your number um, two? My number two is a band that were formed in they were formed in two thousand and one um, from the remnants of another band actually, and they are a progressive rock and experimental rock group from Texas, um, mainly featuring uh, guitarist Omar Rodriguez Lopez and vocalist Cedric Bixler Zavala as kind of the two founding members uh, who previously were together in a band called At The Drive-In. Have you heard of them? No. At The Drive-In were like a hardcore punk <laughs> band, lots of screaming, similar to Rise Against. They split up because they were kind of, they burned too fast and too bright in a way. So they broke up and uh, yeah. the guitarist and vocalist reformed as a prog rock band called The Mars Volta. Oh, I know them. Do you? Yes, but I would know the songs. Like yeah. I know of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know they exist. That's... But I still the first one of your of your of your list. I'm <laughs> like, oh, I know something. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's good. So yeah, they are. Uh, they're like a prog rock band. They are known for. Uh, they have concept albums with mad titles. Their albums are called things like "De Loused in the Comatorium." Francis the Mute, Amputecture, The Bedlam in Goliath. Um, and they all have like crazy cover art done by, most of them done by this guy who also did cover art for Pink Floyd. And there's a very clear like legacy there between the two bands in a way, uh, in terms of like sharing this cover artist and being similarly kind of prog rock inclined. Um, the vocals are huge and wild and uh, quite yelpy at times, but I really, really enjoy it. And then uh, the Omar Rodriguez Lopez is kind of one of those iconic guitarists, in my opinion, who can just kind of does a lot of there's a lot of solos. There's a lot of like, look at me, aren't I really good at playing guitar? Kind of stuff, which I think people can find a bit pretentious and and tiring. But um, I, I I don't know. I and I find that quite pretentious and tiring often in other bands. But there's something about the Mars Volta where they're so strange and weird and different that I really, really enjoy it. Um, a lot of their songs are really long and they'll veer between being like impenetrably weird and then suddenly for about a minute they'll be really, really poppy almost and melodic and you'll be able to sing along with it and then it will veer off again into some other direction. And I kind of like that um, that vibe of them of you never quite know what you're going to be hearing next. They're a very um, mm. unpredictable band uh, and I always wanted to see them live because they were supposedly completely off the wall live um but i never i was never able to see it they sort of stopped they kind of stopped in 2012 um and they've talked about in recent years that they want to get back together and do stuff again but nothing has uh nothing's really come of it but um yeah i really like the mars walter they they were they were kind of this crazy thing they had uh really cool artwork and yeah i like them how do you know them I think I had friends that liked them. Might have been Rowan. 
probably that's, Rowan. Yeah, that's that could be true. Like I noticed that a lot of my musical taste from this era was from my musician friends, which included like Rowan and other people that you met in. And so I was like, but I, I, they were their taste. So it's really difficult. It's like, no, I just, I was listening to other people's music because, you know, yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. fit in in a new society. You're like, oh, yeah. But I, I couldn't tell you if I, if I, I couldn't tell you a song of Mars Volta. No, that's fair. They're good, though, <laughs> man. I like them. Uh, cool. All right. So what's your number two? Okay. So my number two, um, it, I had to put this band in at some point and there's been some controversy of one member and and I don't I don't condone what he has done I don't respect him but he just want this one I just like like I said because this for me the no the, this period was like all about like transitioning into different music and and for me this band was you know my life and so i put it put it in please don't hate me uh but i i it's an icelandic post rock band from uh reykjavik and they are sigur ross yeah yeah not good now but let's talk about sigur ross in the past yeah i mean i think like that guy's left the... <clears throat> that, that guy's, guy's left the left band, the band. And it's not there anymore. No. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't um, think, I think generally like the band Sigur Ross hasn't been like cancelled necessarily or anything. Good. Good. I think but it's you, just I don't like they've, you had, know, they've I don't had some controversy and stuff, but then I, I think yeah. it's still okay to listen to Sigur Ross. Yeah. And I just, I haven't put, I, I just love them. I, I love them. <laughs> uh, they're an incredible band and, you know, uh, one of my best moments in a concert was listening to them with you mm. and crying and, well, you don't remember, but crying. <laughs> you always get really embarrassed when I talk about this. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, eh? <laughs> uh, but yeah, they have an incredible, like, ethereal... Uh, sound and they 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 made their own um, uh, language, so mm. you don't know the words, and the words become the music, and the singer's falsetto becomes part of the the sound, and it's all an experience. Their song and uh, Sigurós's music can enter your body shake it around and just make you feel amazing and in a way the bbc using it for that their thing kind of ruined like you know the bbc had that um one of their songs yeah yeah it was uh, uh, the one of in everything and it, yeah and i was just like why because it just yeah it's great but after a while you listen to it you go well it, it loses it loses everything i think i feel hoppy polla yeah they have lots of and, really good songs to be fair yeah they, they have incredible songs and um i fell in love with them in italy uh and then in england it was kind of like my continuation of love for them and uh they're they're amazing they're an incredible concept band in a way because nobody has really done what Sigur Ross have done and uh 
seeing them live kind of made my love for them even stronger because they're amazing. They're just an incredible band. I love Sigur Ross. Yeah, they are brilliant. I love them. I adore them. Yeah. So I just feel bad choice. talking about them now because you know. Yeah, but I think I think I don't think you should like. I know that that guy did things that aren't okay, and it, uh, yeah, like you say, I don't respect him. But the other, the remaining members of the band. I mean, there's only like two ma- remaining members at this point, and who knows yeah. if they're actually going to like do any more music in the future. But yeah, um, and I think it's okay to still listen to them. I don't think that it's yeah. completely made it impossible to listen to the drummer did some questionable things in his personal life that he shouldn't have done but yeah you can still enjoy Sigur um cool good no that's a great choice Sigur at number two yeah so come to my number one one oh I wonder if I know them my number one are a English rock band okay formed in 2002 uh, in Sheffield in the UK, uh, featuring Alex Turner, Jamie Cook, Nick O'Malley, and Matt Helders. They are the incomparable and, to my ears, perfect Arctic Monkeys. Who I'm assuming you Yeah, know. I know them. <laughs> yeah, I have. Those I have. Um, yeah. They are one of the bigger bands to come from the UK in the past 20 years, so uh, most people are going to have heard of them. They're pretty special to me specifically for a few different reasons. Like, they were they started doing stuff uh, right around the time I started getting into music properly. And I remember going to HMV with my gran. Um, one of the last things I remember doing with her, I, w- I went to HMV in Manchester and brought their first single, um, I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor, on CD. Um, mm. I remember taking it home and listening to it and enjoying it. And just like being able to follow their entire career from that point onwards uh, make them to me quite... I, they're quite special to me because of the time and place in which they started matched up with my own development as a music fan. And I've followed their career along and I've seen them live a couple of times. And I really love... like Similar to maybe a band like Radiohead, I think they have continually pushed themselves to try different things and try different ideas. They started out as a, as like an indie band and they started like a wave of indie bands coming out. They had one of the biggest debut albums of all time in whatever people say, and that's what I'm not. <laughs> Followed it up with Favourite Worst Nightmare, which was quite similar, but then they started like, they wanted to change things up. So for their third album, Humbug, they got uh, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age to produce it and they brought in a bit of a uh, desert rock sound. And then they went a bit more strict back for Suck It and See. And then they almost brought in elements of hip hop uh, for AM in 2013 and Broke America with that album. Um, And then they went completely in a direction. Nobody, they went away for five years, came back in 2018 with something that nobody could have predicted, like a lounge singer, piano led um, concept album about a hotel on the moon uh, called Tranquility Base Mm. Hotel and Casino. And like, a lot they lost fans when they did that but for me it like that was the point where they cemented themselves as one of my favorite bands because i'll always appreciate a band that tries weird stuff like that over a band that's happy to just release effectively the same album over and over again um and yeah i love them they get on some people's nerves because they have a reputation of having quite a laddie fan base which is totally understandable um yeah but I just like them. And I think Alex Turner is a great lyricist. He was great when he was writing songs mm. about um, going out in Sheffield uh, on a Saturday night. And he's great now when he's writing songs <laughs> about getting in a spaceship to go and play poker on the moon. 
he's he's good at he's he's he pushes himself <laughs> to change. And I appreciate that. So yeah, awesome. what do you think mm. of Arctic Monkeys? Yeah, I, I I wasn't really into that kind of scene. Uh, when uh, so like the Strokes, the Arctic Monkeys, Razorlight, all those like naughties bands, boy bands, man bands. Yeah, I just just I I I really couldn't get into it. In fact, that's why the naughties were a little bit kind of weird for me. Yeah, in fact, I, mean, I, I think it's interesting because yeah, I don't like I don't like I really don't like Razorlight. I don't like the Strokes. No. I don't really like a no. lot of those bands, but something about Arctic Monkeys I've always gotten on with. I really like mm. his voice, like his singing voice. He sings in his Yorkshire accent, and I really appreciate that. And I, to me, they're a step above in quality to those other, to those other similar bands of the time. Um, bands mm. like the Libertines as well, that I didn't have much time for. The Kooks, the Automatic. I mean, there was just... Yeah. A, Blood of uh, lads with guitars in the night in the noughties, but um, for me, Arctic Monkeys have always kind of been a sort of in a slightly different um, lane to all of that, and I think they proved that with uh, their mm. last album, which was which was a, ge- a genuine like sea change in their in their career. Cool. Yeah, so that's my num- that's my number one. Nice. Arctic Monkeys, I love them. So, what's your um, number one? My number one. <laughs> is kind of a band maybe not depending what what you think but in my opinion they're a band and I'm going to talk to them as a band and my number one are an English band called The Streets so The Streets are a rap music project according to Wikipedia which are led by uh, Mike Skinner yeah 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 doesn't necessarily it doesn't not Frank Skinner, no. Mike Skinner, and <laughs> it, it don't necessarily. You might not think about that about the streets as a band, but I think of them as a band because it's not just Mike Skinner, but there are other people that help Mike Skinner be great. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah and um, they're definitely the representation of my noughties. I love them. I it was uh, one of the bands that one of the like bands that got into the most in England um, and I even went to see uh, the streets uh, uh, in Bristol and uh, I, I I love them and uh, they released a few albums in the noughties uh, original parent material is their first one which was a great album oh, yeah. personally my favorite is a grand don't come for free yes great nice, album yeah. um, great concept uh, they're just great. It's just a great concept, the streets, and I I love it, and uh, uh, I think they're great. And I spoke about them before. Yeah, yeah. They are, they are brilliant. I love them. I've seen them live as well at a festival, and uh, it was a really fun time. And yeah, that album, A Grand Don't Come for Free," is uh, is one of the best albums I think of that of that period. Uh, and I love how it tells a story. It's a, it's a very silly story, yeah. but it does tell a story. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's great, and it's great. Yeah, and whatever you consider them a band or just Mike Skinner, it doesn't matter. It's one of my favorite bands. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's a good choice. The streets, the streets, and the Arctic Monkeys could get into a fight. That would be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. They seem like the yeah. type to enjoy a scrap. Both of them <laughs> enjoy a rumble. Um. 
Cool. Good. That's a good one. So shall we run down our top fives? Yeah. Yeah. So mine was uh, number five, Rise Against. Number four, Misty's Big Adventure. Number three, Godspeed You, Black Emperor. Number two, The Mars Volta. And number one, Arctic Monkeys. Great. Uh, mine was uh, number five, Daft Punk. Number four, Gorillaz. Number three, Roiksop. Number two, Sigaross. Number one, The Streets. Yeah. Original pirate material. So, hmm. um, I've got some honourable mentions to run through quickly of other bands that nearly made the list but didn't quite get it. Um, starting with one that was really was going to be in my top five, but ultimately I was like, it's really it's just one album, and there was others that I wanted to put in more, and that was My Chemical Romance, because uh, uh, Welcome, okay. Welcome to Black Parade is just a perfect album. But uh, yeah, they didn't quite make the cut. Uh, the White Stripes are a band I love, uh, who really were active in yeah. the noughties, so good. Slipknot uh, started in the 90s, but really did a lot of good good work in the noughties. Uh, Biffy Clyro. I can't believe Biffy Clyro in my top five because I love them. Uh, Fallout Boy, The Killers, LCD Sound System, Linkin Park, Paramore, Alter Bridge, Arcade Fire, At The Drive-In, who I've, I've talked about, they became uh, the Mars Volta. Blink-182, uh, Dan Lassac versus Scroobius Pip. What a great group they were. Deftones, Elbow. Enter Shikari, Gorillas, which you mentioned, Modest Mouse, The National, who are in my top five of all time, so I didn't put them in this one, but I love them. Queens of the Stone Age, Spoon, um, who are really good. If you've never listened to Spoon, you should check them out. They're really good, solid rock music. Uh, Stone Sour, the Slipknot side project, or the Corey Taylor side project. Uh, the Streets, who you named, System of a Down, Wilco, and Animal Collective. Awesome. Yeah. And mine, uh, Destiny's Child, great. Yeah. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age, The White Stripes, um, Paramore, Limp Bizkit, oh, yeah. Coldplay. Although I'm not a fan of Coldplay now, like they were the noughties and I listened to them a lot in the noughties. And, you know, uh, The Roots, uh, Air and System of a Down. Pretty good choices there. I like it. Some crossover. Cool. So, homework time. What should you listen to? Well, just, I'm not, I don't even remember the names of your bands. Well, there's... Uh, One was like Raise, Raise Against there's, there's, something. There's Hardcore Punk with Rise Against. Yeah. There's yeah. Strange Bizarreness with Misty's Big Adventure. There's Post Rock mm. with Godspeed You Black Emperor. Or there's Prog Rock with the Mars Volta. You choose. I think you should listen to Misty's Big Adventure. Okay. Uh, the Black Hole by them. That's the album you should check out. Okay. And, well, you're going to listen to the only album you don't know. Yeah. Uh, from Roiksop. Cool. Which Roiksop album? And I think you should listen to their first album and their first album is Melody called AM. Melody AM. Yeah, so monkeys have an album called AM. That's funny. Um, yeah. Great. So, uh, do you have a recommendation for people for this week? Uh, recommendation for people? Uh, people watch uh, Children of Men. Children of Men. Yeah. Good. That's a good one. I would like to recommend uh, the album Cavalcade by Black Midi. Uh, is a really, really brilliant mm -hmm. album. Uh, and pair that with the book My Best Friend's Exorcism by Brady Hendrix. 
Nice. Uh, that will do things to your mind, I'm sure, if you read that book and listen to that album at the same time. So, yeah, there we go. Cool. Um, we're going to take a short little break for the rest of June, and we'll be back with you with a mystery top five that we'll announce on our social media channels uh, in the coming weeks on the 1st of July. Yeah. For the summer months, which is exciting. Our summer season will begin in... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, thank you so much for listening to, to our uh, episode today. Um, check out the show notes for links to everything we've talked about in Culture Catch-Up and in MyTube for that crazy Grimes uh, performance um, and the Eternals trailer, I guess, if you're not sure how to find that. And, um, yeah, follow us on all the social media channels that are all linked to in the show notes as well. Uh, we're mainly active on Instagram. You can go on there to uh, check out our recommendations each week and the incredible artwork that Alex does. Uh, for each episode as well. It goes Aww. up on Instagram along Thank with you. Uh, various uh, stories, which I'm still getting to grips with how that works, but uh, stories <laughs> stories are occasionally happening on our Instagram as well, so please interact with them and I'll reply. Yeah? That's how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be fun. Yeah. Do that. And, uh, and yeah, join us in a couple of weeks and uh, I-, I love you. You're, you're the best. Thank you for listening. Still. Thank you. Bye.